Welcome to the Wellsteading Podcast. This is episode 203. Today is August 24th, 2016. I'm your host, John Pugliano. I'm also the founder and money manager at investablewealth.com. Well, today we're going to talk about junk bonds and the risks associated with those and how you may own junk bonds and not even know it. Now, the reason I say that you may own junk bonds and not know it is that many times I talk to people, I ask them what their you know perceived risk tolerances are. They tell me that they don't want to take any risk or that they want to minimize their risk. And they'll say something like, well, that's why I'm investing in something that produces an income or something that's safe like bonds. Well, I'm not going to go into all the reasons why bond funds are not necessarily safe. We've talked about that in previous episodes. Uh, I'll just say now that people are conditioned to believe that bonds are safe. In fact, you'll oftentimes see the formula for how much you should be invested in the stock market for something that's age appropriate. And so what it'll do, it'll ask you to subtract your age from 100. And then that'll give you the percentage of your portfolio, which should be dedicated to assets in the stock market. So for example, if you're 60 years old, you subtract 60 from 100, you end up with 40. So the rule of thumb formula is that you should be invested 40% in stock market equities and then 60% in bond funds. Now, the fallacy there is that bond funds are safer than stock market equities. And that's simply not the case. Now, they have been for many, many years for the most part, and that's because we've been in a secular interest rate decline. You go back to the 1980s. So the last, say, 35 years or more, interest rates have been coming down. And what's important to understand with bonds is that the interest rate is the inverse of the cost or the price of the bond. And so when interest rates come down, that means the price of bonds go up. So if you're holding a bond and interest rates come down, the principle of your bond actually goes up. And that's worked great for, you know, 35 years as these interest rates have come down. But now we're in the point where we're at either zero or negative interest rates. And while no one can be assured how long we're going to stay here, I mean, we could potentially stay here for the next decade. Who knows? But the concern is, is that at some point, if rates do go up, and you, again, have to assume that when you're at or near either zero or negative, at some point that secular trend has to turn around, meaning that interest rates will go back up or at least start to move in an upward direction. You know, right now the 10-year treasury is at about 1.5%. It wasn't so many years ago that that was at 5 or 6%, certainly at least 3 or 4%. And how that 10-year treasury is derived really isn't a magical formula. I mean, it's generally accepted that the 10-year treasury is the nominal rate of GDP. So that means inflation plus real GDP growth. So what our current 1.5% 10-year treasury is telling us now is that the nominal growth of our economy is only 1.5%. Now, we can argue that number back and forth, whether it's manipulated, whether it isn't. But bottom line, you're always hearing about how the economy's getting better, how it's improving. You're hearing business leaders say that. You're hearing politicians promise that their policies are going to provide better growth to us. You've heard that we're in a recovery since the Great Recession of 2008. And historically, the United States' real GDP growth is somewhere around, you know, again, it can be argued, but let's just call it 3%. That's real GDP growth. So that means not counting inflation. Well, what does the Federal Reserve say their target rate for inflation is? They talk about 
So if we were at a traditional 3% real GDP growth rate, which is what everybody says that their goal is to attaining, and if you tack on the Federal Reserve's 2% inflation target, that puts you at nominal GDP of 5%. Well, that's basically where the 10-year yield on a U.S. Treasury should be when we're in a normal growth rate environment. So if things ever do get back to normal, and if we see a regression to the mean of our historic growth rates, that would tell you that the yield on a 10-year treasury should be somewhere in the neighborhood of, call it 5%. Well, today it's at 1.5. That's a difference of over 200%, something like, you know, 230%. That's a huge spread, a huge downside if you're invested, particularly in long-term, low-yielding interest rates. Now, I mentioned that the price of a bond is inversely proportional to its yield. And I'm going a little bit down a rabbit hole here. I know we're using words to describe numbers, and that's hard to do, particularly if you're driving or something, you know, doing something else like that while you're listening to this podcast. And I'm sorry for digressing here, but let's review this real quick. If you own a 10-year treasury bond right now, and we assume that the rate is 1.5%, well, the, the reciprocal of that, 1 divided by 1.5%, would put the price of that bond at a hypothetical cost of $66.70, somewhere in that neighborhood. Well, if interest rates ever normalize and go back up to, say, 5%, do that same math. The reciprocal of 5% would be 1 divided by 5%, and that's a value of 20. So think of that in terms of owning a stock. Let's say that you own a bond fund right now that's paying 1.5%, that means that roughly its stock price is about $66.70. If in the future those interest rates go up to 5%, your stock in that bond is only going to be worth $20. So if interest rates go up by over 200%, in that example I just gave you where your value could drop, say, from $66 down to $20, that's a loss of about 70%. And that's what people mean when they talk about us being in a bond bubble. And if that bubble ever bursts, you could lose upwards of 70% of your principal. That's a catastrophic loss. Okay, but I digress. Let's get back to junk bonds. So people tell me that they're investing in bond funds because they want safety. And then when they tell me what funds they're in, they proudly also mention the fact that they're widely diversified. They invest in bond funds that may be invested in you know, U.S. government bonds, U.S. corporate bonds. They have some international exposure. Maybe they're in emerging markets. But when I actually look at the bond funds they're in, almost invariably in the name is high yield, like high yield corporate bond fund or emerging market high yield bond fund. It doesn't matter if it's a mutual fund or an exchange-traded fund. It could be in their brokerage account. It could be in their 401k. But they think that they're widely diversified in something safe like bonds. And it couldn't be further from the truth. And so I asked them, well, how do you feel about owning junk bonds? And they say, oh, I'm not invested in junk bonds. And I say, you're not? No, of course not. I, I wouldn't do that. I don't want to take that kind of risk. And then we pull out the prospectus for the fund that they're in. In many, if not all cases, it's going to tell you one of two things. It's either going to tell you that you're invested in a fund whose bonds are non-investment grade, or it may even use the term junk bond. I'll give you an example of that. I won't mention the fund, and it really doesn't matter because they almost all use virtually the same terminology. 
but right in the small print at the bottom of the prospectus or near the end of the prospectus in the particular fund that I'm looking at, and this fund has high yield in the name, there's a little sentence, and here's what the sentence says. Non-investment grade debt securities, and then in quotations it says high yield slash junk bonds, in parentheses, may be subject to greater market fluctuations, risk of default, or loss of income and principal than higher rated securities. So what are they talking about, a non-investment grade security? Again, when I talk to people that are in these high yield funds, they have no idea that they're investing in something that's a non-investment grade. So what is a non-investment grade? Well, there are Wall Street firms which assess risk, particularly debt risk. I mean, companies like Moody's or Standard & Poor, and they have a rating system, and they vary from company to company. But in general, they're, they're things like AAA. So if you hear that it's a AAA rating, and that's all triple uh, capital A's, uppercase A's, that's like the highest quality of investment grade with the lowest risk. Right? A AAA rating is better than a triple B rating. Triple B rating is better than a double B rating. Double B rating is better than a C rating, and so forth. Well, for the most part, you can assume that investment grade quality at the high end is like a AAA rating, and at the lowest end of investment grades would be like a triple B rating. An investment grade meaning that the risk of default or other types of failure to repay the loan or repay the principal or to make good on the interest payment is fairly minimal and would be an acceptable level of risk for a company like um, an insurance company to invest in or for some type of a conservative investment program where you want to make sure that your money is there in the future. It's not saying that there's no risk like, you know, FDIC insured money in a bank account would be. That's basically considered zero risk. United States treasuries are considered zero risk because federal government's never going to go bankrupt. It's always going to print money. That money may not have value. That's the topic for another episode. But there's no way that the federal government in the United States is not going to repay that debt, even if it has to pay it with worthless dollars. But if you own debt in, say, XYZ Corporation, they can default and not pay anything back on the principal. They could go into bankruptcy and only make a partial repayment of the principal. Or they could refund the principal, but maybe they don't make good on paying you the interest that they promised. See, these are all risks that you have. And that's where that rating agency tries to assess the risk and then grade it with like a AAA rating or a B rating. So what's a junk bond? Well, a junk bond is considered high risk and it's generally considered a rating below a B. And so almost without exception, if the bond fund that you're invested in has high yield in the title or if it uses high yield somewhere to describe what it invests in, then that means that you are invested in junk bonds. Now, that doesn't mean that they're not going to pay off or that they're going to go bankrupt, but it means that it is not investment grade. It's not considered a, quote, safe investment, that the risk level is much more elevated, and that should we get into a rough patch in the economy, and it doesn't have to be the Great Recession of 2008, just a standard old run-of-the-mill recession or downturn in the economy. That's when you see defaults occur, and they primarily occur with companies that have non-investment grade ratings. Now, does that mean that you should be concerned and go out and sell all of your high-yield bond funds? Not necessarily. I'm not telling you you shouldn't be invested in them at all. But I'm saying that you should be prudent. It's like 
anything in our portfolio where we're seeking diversification. We don't want to put all of our eggs in one basket. So if you want to have 5%, 10%, maybe 20% of your portfolio in high yield funds, that's probably a pretty good risk mitigation strategy. But remember, there's no free lunch. If you're receiving a 4 5 or a 6% yield on your bond fund at the same time when U.S. Treasuries, uh, the 10-year Treasury, is only paying 1.5%, well, that's a huge spread. And the reason that that spread is so large is that you're taking a great deal more amount of risk. As long as things are going along fine, that won't be a problem. But my biggest concern and the thing that I've always tried to avoid is a catastrophic loss. That's where you lose 40, 50, 80% of your investment. And when those things happen, it's generally like an avalanche or an earthquake. You don't get a whole lot of warning and it's difficult to get out before the bottom falls out. That's particularly true in bond funds because many of them have much less liquidity than something like a blue chip stock on the S&P 500. And so what that means is when you go to sell it, well, everybody else wants to sell it too. And so it's like when someone yells fire in a crowded movie theater, everyone starts running to the exits and people get stumbled and hurt on the way out. Now be advised here, I'm not telling you that you should never own high yield bond funds. I'm just telling you that you should be aware of what risk you are invested in and that at a minimum you should know that it is a junk bond fund and it would probably be a good idea to check the prospectus and see what its rating grade is. In any case, be aware of what you're investing in. Oh, and speaking of investing, well, right now, if you're paying attention to the stock market, you know they're all on edge and everybody's concerned about what's going to happen tomorrow. That's Thursday, October 24th, 2016. Chairman Janet Yellen is going to be giving a speech in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. That's their annual summer retreat. The press is waiting breathlessly to hear what she says. You know, will they raise interest rates? Won't they raise interest rates? Well, I have no idea. I got to tell you, it's almost impossible to believe that the Federal Reserve will raise interest rates prior to the November election, which basically means that if we are going to get an interest rate increase this year, it's not going to happen until the FOMC meets in December. But with that kind of rationality, it takes all the emotion and all the drama out of it. And so it doesn't sell newspapers or get clicks on the Internet. That's why you're seeing everything hyped up about, will the Fed raise or won't they raise? It's all BS. It's all noise. Nobody knows what's going to happen until it happens. Well, hey, thanks for joining me. As always, until our next episode, this is John Pugliano wishing you the very best of returns.